certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon. And every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, oh God, is she going to be the next victim? Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years. Today, prosecution posed the question. Did the accused Claremont serial killer take trophies from the bodies of Jane Rimmer and Kira Glennon? Hi everyone, Natalie Bongiolo, Tim Clark and Ali Fan with you again today for day 89 of Claremont in Conversation. Um, Tim, Justice Hall started the day's proceedings by asking the exact same question <laughs> that we were asking ourselves in last night's podcast about this RH17. Yes, and it confirmed to me that I wasn't going mad, I remembered <laughs> properly, um, because Justice Hall, being Justice Hall, did his due diligence last night, went back through the transcript of Miss Barbara Gallo's opening, and did um, come to the same conclusion that we had, that we'd heard that it was originally put that that um, piece of hair was cut by someone at the crime scene, um, but at, at the discovery of the body and not at the crime scene when the crime was being committed, which is what Miss Barbara Gallo had suggested yesterday. Um, so, yeah, there's c- confusion all around, but Miss Barbara Gallo was quite clear again that, no, Your Honour, our suggestion is that that piece of hair was cut and was separate from the body when the body was discovered, and it was just pristine. Not even anyone at the crime scene had to cut it. So, yeah, that cleared up that little mystery. But what Miss, uh, what Justice Hall makes of it all in the end um, is obviously yet to be determined. And another thing that uh, Ms Barbagallo queried right off the bat this morning was this inference yesterday that Bradley Edwards intended, in fact, to kill the young woman he raped at Karakata. Yeah, and we discussed that last night because it was the first time we'd ever heard it. Um, And Justice Hall returned to it, um, as you said, Nat, straight off the top this morning, just clarifying really what uh, Ms Barbagallo was was trying to infer and getting it clear in in his mind exactly uh, what he should make or what he could make of that inferral. Um, And I would say Ms Barbagallo backed away a little bit Uh from, from what she'd said yesterday in that she said it was open to him to infer that, but they weren't relying on it um, as a proof, if you like, or, or, or something that should be found in fact. Um, what Miss Barbara Gallo said was, well, look, we were putting it um, to get out in front of the arguments that the, the defence might make um, if that is put to your honour um, by the defence then this is what we say about it. If it's not put by the defence, then um, you can still um, consider it, um, but it's it's not something that we say um, is is crucial to find as as a as a matter of fact, or as something that is in, in turn crucial to our case. So look, it's still out there, um, and it's still being said. So obviously, we're still going to report on it and talk mm. about it. But whether it whether it comes um, to a, a, a real crunch, if you like, um, once again, we'll have to see what Justice Hall makes of it all. 
So again, this is really this um, tactic of, of leaping ahead, anticipating mm. what the defence is maybe going to say and trying mm. to cut them off at the pass before they even get there. She's um, probably anticipating a little bit too much because Justice Hall is asking her question after question. He's asking her clarification. He's asking explanation. Um, I've never heard so many questions as today. It certainly wasn't smooth sailing for the prosecutor because she was pulled up time after time by Justice Hall today asking her why she's saying that, clarify that. And a couple of times, especially as, as what we were talking about last night, because he said after he'd gone back and looked at the opening, he was quite adamant that that could be seen as unfair. Uh, I think he's also thinking the, the defence might come in and say, well, look, we find that um, submission that you put in your closing address that wasn't in your opening address, and I'm talking about the hair mm. being cut, yep. that um, he might say, well, I, want, I wanted an opportunity to ask some of the expert witnesses about that. So I think also the, 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 probably the reason behind so many questions is that uh, Justice Hall is also anticipating any grounds for appeal that the defence might lodge because he is certainly very, very vocal today. So, I mean, the both of you would have sat in on literally hundreds, uh, probably thousands of mm. um, closing s submissions in your time. Is it unusual for um, a judge to interrupt closing arguments like this? No, but that's because he's sitting on his own. So he doesn't have to sort of um, worry about what the jurors might think about or interpret his questions. Mm. Uh, normally, if there's a jury there... Uh, the judge is very, very careful and only at the very end might, in his final instructions, uh, tell them not to take so much notice about this particular um, fact and not to take so much you know, interest in that. He'll, he'll instruct them. But because he's on his own, he's asking the questions um, that she's putting to him and there are a heck of a lot of questions. And Tim, as yeah, a journalist, are you reading into those questions? Well, yeah, I mean, you have to because that is obviously the line of reasoning and, and the, the questions and the, and the, the theories that, are, that, that Justice Hall is obviously considering and contemplating as these um, closing submissions are being rolled out and these theories are being rolled out. They're, they're raising questions in his, his mind um, and, and he is raising them as we go, if you like. Um, well, to go to Ali's point, I, I've, they're not unusual to ask questions but the the amount of questions and the and the um, and the weight of these questions to me is, is quite unusual um but well, it began we, right off the top we, didn't it i mean that's why she didn't get through her i think her she thought she was going to get through today but we the first 20 minutes or so of today was um asking her to clarify what she said in her closing submissions about the hair that she didn't say in the opening and mm -hmm. he did say that could be seen un as unfair so i think a lot of the interruptions um, did delay her finals, which she thought she was going to wrap up today. And I think towards the end when he said, you're not going to take another, how long are you going to take? She, she said, oh, no, I'll be going into it tomorrow. Okay, mm. so, so she ploughed on um, and detailed uh, all the similarities, I guess, between Jane and Kira's disappearance and the similarities between the discovery of their bodies. Tim, mm. what was her key points um, in that area? Well, there were, there were many and varied that and um she said because they were there there are so many similarities then ultimately her conclusion uh, and she says the conclusion that justice hall should draw is that kira and jane were murdered by the same person and she said 
from that, you can then go further and say that person must have been Mr. Edwards. And yeah, there were lots of them. Um, the We heard about the wounds again today in quite graphic detail. We heard about the, 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 the wounds on the neck, which Ms. Barbara Gallo said were more than likely what, what killed both women. Then we heard about the defensive wounds and the fact that they were in similar places on the body, um, on the on the left arm of Jane and the right arm of Kira. We heard about the fact that there were items missing from, from both bodies. Jane, we know her all her clothes were missing, plus some personal items, including jewellery for Kira. We heard that um, some of her clothes were missing, her jacket and other personal items, including her bag. They were missing. And as you said, right off the top, Matt, Miss um, Barbara Gallo speculated or postulated, could um, the killer, in this case, Mr. Edwards, have been taking trophies? That was that that could never be um, could never be concluded conclusively, but she floated it. She put it out there, um, and then there were all all the other similarities that we've talked about. The fact that both girls went missing from Claremont on a weekend night. They were alone. They were on foot, um, and. Uh, then their bodies were discovered relatively equidistant from Perth, 40 kilometres or so, in semi-rural areas. The fact that they weren't buried, that they were overground, that their bodies were covered with with um, flora and fauna that taken very close, apparently, to the dump sites. And so she said, you put all that together, um, the conclusion must be, the inference must be that they were killed by the same man. And then she said, you go to the DNA and the fibers, which link, um, physically link both both victims. And you can then draw the conclusion that they were in Mr. Edwards's car and um, killed by Mr. Edwards because of the uh, the Telstra work where link, um, which is what, where those fibers, blue fibers are said to come from. Yeah, and and she also touched on um, the screams that were heard in the various areas as well, and she went back through that in quite detail uh, too. Again, uh, Justice Hall questioned quite closely uh, the screaming and what that might have had to do with anything. Uh, he he was whether he's playing the devil's advocate or what I don't know, but he really didn't accept a lot of the stuff that she said about Sarah Spears. He said, well, one minute you say that um, the attackers caught them and, and that, and that there was no evidence with Sarah, that if, if she was screaming, it was because she wasn't attacked suddenly. So um, he did go into that. I thought, um, I found it quite interesting and compelling, the questions mm. he was asking about that. So, Tim, just explain, um, I guess Justice Hall was really questioning um, the propensity here when he was talking about um, the Karakata victim who didn't have the opportunity to screen. Yes. So, I mean, that was one of the the theories, I suppose, or the questions that he, he tested with Ms. Barbara Gallo in terms of, well, the, we know the Karakata rape victim was was gagged she was hooded um and she was not really given the opportunity if you if you if you want to think of it that way to uh, defend herself and to scream because because she was tied up and because she was um incapacitated the way she was but then he um juxtaposed that i suppose with the evidence about the, the screams at wellard and he 
questioned, well, if that was an attack, was it the same type of attack um, in, you know, all aspects that, uh, that had happened at Karakata? And then, as Ali just mentioned, when it came to the screams in Mosman Park that were heard, um, which Ms. Barbara Gallo said were, should be taken as the final moments of, of Ms. Spears' life, possibly, um, again, it, there were vigorous. There was vigorous questions around that, in terms of well, the opportunity to scream. What so was she alive at Musburn Park? It would appear she was because of the screams. But then what happened after that? Um, and the differences again were drawn out by um, Justice Hall in saying, well, how did Sarah even end up in Musburn Park if that's where she was intending to go? Which we know was because of the call that she made to the taxi did they, if it was mr edwards did he uh, intend to drop her off um did he was he playing uh, you know nice in, in terms of taking her to an intended destination and then attack her and, and if he did and if that is the theory then that again is slightly different to jane and kira who would appear to have been taken to a remote location and then killed there so there were, as Ali said, there was vigorous questioning and highlighting of the subtle differences between the, all these crimes, um, alleged crimes, um, and Justice Hall saying, well, you know, if, if those differences are what they appear to be, then is that going to be a problem for me to conclude that they were all um, uh, crimes committed by the same person? Yeah, and I guess it was interesting because this really is the first time we've heard um, Sarah Spears mentioned in the closing arguments. Mm. Did Ms. Barbara Gallo give um, an account of Sarah Spears, you know, um, her theory of her last moments like she did for Jane and Kira? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. She went through everything with Sarah, right through everything that we've heard from the various neighbours in that area that heard her screaming from what she was doing that day. Um, but um, I don't know. The, the, the judge just didn't... He seemed to knock her back on just about every, everything she was saying. Um, it, it was, I thought, I thought very unusual. Um, but he did, he did go through point by point. But you're saying that this has happened and that happened. Why did she stop? We you know, it was... To me, very, um, I could see uh, Don Spears, uh, Sarah's father, hit, with his head down at one stage um, in the front row of the court, whether he was thinking the same thing as I was, that maybe because there's been no body found that um, the judge does need to be convinced beyond reasonable doubt that um, badly Robert Edwards, in fact, did all three. Mm. Tim, what was your interpretation of that? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was quite telling, some of the points that Justice Hall was raising um, because it was illustrative and indicative of the, the thought process and, the, and the, the process that he's going to have to go through to, to come to a conclusion. Um, and particularly when we got to the portion this afternoon of the closings that did relate to Sarah, um, there was as I said previously, vigorous questioning. And uh, on top of what Ali's just said, he, he, he even questioned the timeline. Um, so we know that Sarah made the call at just after two o'clock to get the taxi. She was gone within minutes, according to the witnesses. Then the screams were between 2.30 and 3 o'clock. 
Um, and Justice Hall asked the question quite openly, well, does that give Mr. Edwards enough time to do what you say he's done? Because he was mm. at work at eight o'clock the following mm. morning. Yes, so that yes. gives a win that gives a very as Justice Hall postulated, quite a tight window for him to have done what he has done, picked her up, taken her to Bosman Park, then apparently killed her, dumped her somewhere, um, dumped her, you know, so um, well, if you want to put it that way, that her body's never been found, and then can be at work at eight o'clock. And then he pointed out Kira Glennon one, yeah. Mm. Well, I was going to say the Telstra Living Witness um, oh, yes. evidence yeah. because Ms. Barbara Gallo said one of the main points of what we say and one of the main reasons we say that um, you can find that Mr. Edwards killed Sarah was the other accounts from these four um, key Telstra Living Witnesses who all talked about having strange encounters with this Telstra car at, in late in 1996. One of those was on uh, less than 24 hours or almost um, exactly 24 hours after Sarah went missing. And so Justice Hall again raised the question, well, if he's done what he's done um, in the early hours of the 27th, then gone to work, worked a 12, 14 hour shift and then gone out again, Mr. Edwards could have hardly have slept in that whole period. Is that possible? Is that something mm. that I have to take into account? And the, the mere fact that he's raised the question mm. um, in court would say that he is going to take that account or he's certainly going to consider it when he's considering the possibility that Mr. Edwards has done um, uh, count six, which is Sarah's, Sarah's murder. And what was Ms. Barbagallo's response to that when he says to her, you know, uh, how is this possible and, and do I need to take this into account, this, this window of time? Well, Ms. Barbagallo is quite strong. She said, absolutely there is time to do it and the reason we say you can find that is the Karakata um, situation the Karakata incident where the young lady was um, taken off the street um, got bound gagged driven around attacked um, then dumped then dumped again um, all in a very short window so um, Ms Barbara Gallo's phraseology was ruthless efficient calculating um, and he had the skills to do this and he's shown that he's done this before and he's and he's admitted that he's done this before so um but in that incident obviously there was no dumping of anybody uh, remotely um it, the 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 body or the the, the the victim in that case was dumped on on site if you, if you like and left um at the cemetery so she, she, her, her response was uh, as strong as the questioning in the in, in she says yes he's uh, there was ample time to have done that um in Sarah's case um and uh, and in the other cases as well and Ali you mentioned uh in the case of Kira Glennon we know that there is basically a 10-hour window in which the state said says that Mr Edwards murdered Kira uh did Justice Hall also raise that issue and that time that time there well, yes, he did. And he questioned again that if um, Kira Glennon went missing in the early hours of that, that morning, uh, then uh, was seen at the time it was that the witnesses uh, saw her getting into the car, was then driven to Eglinton, um, maybe not straight away, but afterwards, then did he have time to go come back and drive down to the Mandra Dorsal area to catch up with his friends who he was meant to have dinner with the night before but gave an excuse. And, and according to the wife of that man, he said um, 
he arrived around about mid-morning, 10, 10.30. So he queried the timing of all of that. Did he have time to bury her? And then, and uh, the prosecutor said, well, of course, it wasn't. He didn't dig a grave. He just pulled um, branches off and covered her. So it wasn't like he'd spent any time digging, um, burying the body. It was just left. Um, but he, yeah, he was actually questioning the timing of that. Back then, 1996, 97, we didn't have the, the freeway. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what it was. That I thought that was, again, quite interesting, the questions that he um, was asking. And Tim, this also really led to what Ms Barbagallo uh, basically—sort of described by the end of the day as Mr Edwards' mo. Yes, his his modus operandi, and so she, again, she brought all the strands together, so including the Telstra living witness and the sightings um, of the the car um, that that our listeners might remember um, for Sarah's scream sequence in Mosburn Park, one of the witnesses got up, looked to where he thought the uh, screams had come from and saw this light-coloured station wagon, as he described it, near the phone box in Claremont. Um, <clears throat> um, so there was that. There was the Telstra living witness, uh, we're, we're all involving a white car, and then the sightings of um, uh, the white car again, um, by the many witnesses who who think they saw Kira um, on her last walk up um, Stirling Highway. Um, So she brought all that together and said, there, if you look at it all together, we have a picture of a man trawling through Claremont, looking for victims. The way she described it was um, he uh, making an opportunity for himself to find these lone women, these vulnerable lone women, and that was his MO, that he, he would go out in his car, um, find these women, either uh, abduct them and put them in his car or lure them into his car um, through um, the offer of a lift um, and then um, commit the crimes that he's committed. So that's what um, she will did urge and will urge again, I'm sure, Justice Hall to find um, that this th- th- these weren't, um, these three murders weren't isolated because you have Karakata and you have the Telstra living witness again, which which takes it to eight at least sightings of a car around Claremont. And then she pointed to the other Telstra living witnesses, which were not as strong for her theory, but she still said could be taken into account because, again, they were, um, if not exactly um, similar, certainly similar in in varying characteristics um, to, to show that this is what Mr Edwards was spending his nights doing in, in the mid-90s. And was there any discussion about the fact that Sarah Spears' body wasn't found? Well, this is why um, I think Justice Hall has got to be convinced beyond reasonable doubt because there is nothing, there's no DNA or fibres or anything like the other two that relate to Sarah Spears, only the screams in Mosman Park. And that's why I believe he was questioning so closely um, every step of the way uh, how she ended up in Mosman Park, etc. So he, he's got a problem with the... Well, when there's no body, um, I think that will be a very interesting exercise in how he comes back with that particular case. Yeah, and that was that was an interesting legal manoeuvre that Miss Barbara Gallo pulled today. So when she got to that portion of her closings, she said to Justice Hall, we say this is the intellectual route 
the intellectual journey you should take um, to find that uh, um, Mr. Edwards guilty of Sarah's murder in that you should look at Jane and Kira's first, even though they happened later in time. Mm. Because we have the bodies and because we have the physical evidence or because we have the DNA, she says you should look at those first. And if you then find that Mr. Edwards killed both Jane and Kira, then you go to Sarah's murder and then you look at all the circumstances surrounding that, the similarities surrounding that, and the absence of the body then should not preclude you from finding him guilty because of all those other similarities. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. uh, almost anticipating Mr. Jovic will have a, a bit to say about that because the propensity... Well, we've already heard, haven't we, he's going to go longer than we thought he was. Well, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, that, so that, that says to me he's going to have plenty to say full stop. <laughs> but um, I, 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 I'd be interested to see if he, what he has to say about this because it's a sort of reverse propensity because if you, if you take, take the crimes in the, in the order that they happened, um, then obviously Sarah's first. Um, but so will it be possible for Justice Hall to, to, to reverse that propensity and, and, and look at Jane and Kira first and then go back in time, if you like, and say, well, if he's done it there, then he, he could have done it here. Um, and it'll be an interesting, um, you know, logics, uh, steps of logic for him to take if, if he can do that. Um, and then if he does do that, in fact, yeah, and I mean, I, you can't help but wonder how the Spears family are feeling through all of this right now. And you mentioned, Ali, that at one point, you know, Don Spears uh, had his head down and, and he must have been thinking this is not necessarily um, going to include his daughter. Well, because no matter what the outcome of this trial, their ordeal is not over, is it, with her never being found? That's right. So that's, that's the tragedy of this whole thing. Um, while we're listening to it, they still don't have any resolution as to where her body is. Was there any reaction from um, Bradley Edwards in court today? No, I don't see any reaction. <laughs> I just see the same, the same man, as I said, you know, just a couple of times he looked over. He seemed to be a little bit more animated, but um, I don't know if that's just my imagination or not. I was watching him during some of the... Um, points that were being argued by between the judge and um, the prosecutor, but um, he seemed to perk up a little bit um, at that. But apart from that, no, I don't see him having much reaction either way. Is he still taking as many notes as he did, Tim? I don't think he's taking notes. I think he's doodling. Because do you do you ever see him turn the page, Tim? <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not sure. We can't see over the dock and those you know, those. Those scribbles, whatever they are, are obviously never likely to be made public. Um, but no, as Ali said, um, quite, um, uh, yeah, quite phlegmatic, um, not really um, any, any emotion um, either way, um, either, you know, good or bad um, to, to, to what he's hearing. Um, but, uh, well, well, we'll, we'll see whether, um, whether there is any emotional, um, when his lawyer gets up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so obviously, as you've mentioned, Carmel Barbagallo has gone longer than expected. Mm. What is there left to cover off on her on, on the prosecution's case? 
Well, she's going to put forward another um, <laughs> logical journey that the judge might be able to take. Um, uh, she says the one I've just described, she says, is the one we say you should take. But if, if, if you can't be satisfied with that, there is another way around it. And that is to look at all the similarities again. So we'll probably go through that in the morning. Um, she will cover off on the interview, I would imagine, um, and the lies that Mr. Edwards told there. Um, she might be leaving that um, to the end um, to try and get the maximum impact out of out of that portion mm -hmm. um so yeah she has got a, a, a fair way to go yet but we we are now fully anticipating that she will finish tomorrow um and then uh, as we said it'll be uh, mr jovic's turn and one of my media colleagues um uh, took the opportunity to ask mr jovic how long he thought he might be um and he was quite in fact in, in saying he doesn't actually think he might it might finish this week so wow. we might um we might we might go on into uh, into days 94 and 95 <laughs> or right. however long it might be but as justice hall said yesterday there's um, there's an infinite amount of time he's not going to put any pressure on anyone um to finish uh, to a deadline and the one thing that's left to do then or there's a couple of things there'll be legal um sort of you know portions of the law that justice hall will sort of tell himself that he has to um uh, pay attention to while he's reaching his verdict and he will ask both sides about their their opinion on those and then there are also the actual facts that mr edwards will be sentenced on in terms of the caracatta rape and, and it might sound a bit of an anathema to ask the man that's done these things what he uh, agrees that he did but that is the that is the legal process that we'll have to go to because or go through because justice hall will have to come to a series of facts um and and quite detailed facts on that when it comes to sentencing so um so there might be some um some argument around um how that process is going to uh, conclude itself as well so so yeah still a fair fair yeah. way to go just when we thought we knew we were uh, moving towards the end, it's going to stretch out that little bit longer. And I think the intensity of the closing arguments so far, um, certainly I have found quite surprising. Well, yeah, it has, Nat, because obviously we're trying to condense nearly seven months of evidence into uh, two or three days of, um, of, of, of closing submissions. So it is, it is quite dense. There is a lot to take in. There are a lot of theories and arguments and, and legal questions that are that are being put. Um, but as we've said all along, um, it's it's it needs to be done this way um, so we can ultimately come to the uh, to the to the right verdict or, or or a just verdict at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you both so much for all your hard work and thanks everyone for your feedback. We're getting plenty of emails and questions which we will try to answer in coming weeks. But for now, join us tomorrow when Mr Jovic will launch his closing arguments. That's day 90 of the trial and day 90 of Claremont in Conversation. Talk to you then. This podcast is hosted by Natalie Bongiolo, produced by Kate Ryan and recorded in the studios of Seven West Media. Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au. And if local news delivered differently appeals to you, tune into WA's newest morning show, The West Live with Jenna Clark. It's talkback radio, but without the interruptions. Listen live weekdays from 8.45am on thewest.com.au or catch up with the podcast.